Welcome to episode 46 of BNBFC. Brian and Brett back with you again. Going to be recapping North London Derby. Very entertaining game from a neutral perspective. United squeaked out a narrow victory at Burnley. Uh, no, have too many things to talk about because I know Brett has a lot to say about the Derby. He's worked up. Why don't you go first? Why don't you talk about the Derby first? Great game. Really, I think this is the first time in quite a few years that we've seen both of these teams looking like teams that can challenge for the top four. Arsenal, of course, look a little better than that, but but for Tottenham, for sure, because there, there was that period where Arsenal were always pretty much always better until probably like 26, until um, Wenger retired, and then Tottenham seemed like they did a little bit better, so it's the convergence of both of them being decent sides has been a while. Entertaining football. Good for Tottenham to actually go and, and play football at the Emirates in a away game. You wouldn't have saw that under Conte or Mourinho. So that was good on them. Um, yes, I picked it up kind of in the second half. So I kind of got the exciting stuff right when the Arsenal got that penalty, Stonewall penalty. No doubt about that. Oh, really? You sure? <laughs> uh, sloppy giveaway to, to gift. Tottenham a goal back, the goal the the, the goal to tie it up again about a minute and a half later. You, like I, I was watching that and I just knew like there was no doubt in my mind Son was not going to miss that. Like it almost seemed like you knew it was going to be a goal the moment they gave the ball away. Then you've got Madison and Son two on one. Uh, but other than that, I think both teams. I think the draw was the right result, and it's a good game for a neutral. Okay, I'm going to try to be as nice as possible and then I'll end with a crescendo on these stupid Tottenham fans. Anyways, uh, thing about the game, first point, I love David Rea. That guy, I think he's really, really good. Um, I mean, we knew that he was really good last year with Brentford, but it's just one of the cases that I honestly don't care who's in that at, at, uh, at Arsenal anymore because... I was really, you know, I felt bad for Ramsdale, but I feel comfortable Ramsdale and I feel comfortable Rhea. Rhea made a beautiful save, which, okay, I'll save the fans. Okay. Anyways, the one thing I noticed that is just terrible is Arsenal's going through a little bit of an injury spell. Trossard couldn't play. Um, Martinelli couldn't play. Saka has like a, like a knock, a continuous knock in his Achilles, which is worrying. Declan Rice went off in the second half with a back injury. Um, and he asked to come off um, in the dressing room. I guess he, which, I mean, is rare for him because he's pretty pretty industrious player. Yeah, that doesn't I have a really, question. Yeah. This is kind of interesting because, you know, I think of Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira era. Isn't it such a, a wimp move to ask to come off in a North yeah. London derby? But, like, I think back yeah. to that. Oh, yeah. No, I Like I an old school player wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Well, the only thing that, that I would think about it is in, in Rice's career um, at West Ham, he's played through knocks and stuff like that. So the, my perspective of it or the perspective I'm going to go with is it It seems like if, if Rice is saying that he can't, he has to come off, um, I think it's got to be decently uncomfortable. I know that like like it's still softer than the Roy Keane Patrick Vieira days, but he's not the type of player to go off for nothing. So that's the only reason I say that. But yeah, Trossard, Saka's got a knock. Martinelli, 
Rice, who else is injured? Partey, all decently key players. But having said that, it's nice that Arsenal can still have people um, come on. I thought Arsenal for the first 20 minutes were really showed them, showed Tottenham that they were the better team. Um, and then I, Arsenal kind of, you see glimpses of the, glimpses of the old Arsenal kind of come out in moments of like celebration or moments of like really good play. And then they shut off for moments. And um, I really noticed the uh, Tottenham's first goal, brilliant turn by Madison. But I really noticed the, the whole thing that happened there before Madison got to be able to do that is Arsenal couldn't clear the ball. And you'll see moments where Arsenal panic and they're not, they can't recover, which is problematic. They can't get organized. It looks like people are running off of passion rather than, you know, their lines and things like that. Um, and then the second goal came right after the penalty when they celebrated their asses off and then they just shut off. And the thing about Tottenham is that everybody knows Tottenham's a good counterattacking team, you know, for the past, you know, five even plus years, Tottenham have basically played off of parking the bus and, and counterattacking. So they're playing great football now. Like it was a really good game to watch, but um, you know that a counterattack is in their back pocket if they want it. So you can't give them that opportunity. Now, this is the part <laughs> where I get mad, not at the Tottenham fans yet, but anyways, Arteta screwed the whole game. Completely his fault really frustrates me. You better make this explicitly because I'm going to swear in this episode. I swear to God. Anyways, he takes off Declan Rice. Patrick, not Patrick. Uh, Vieira didn't play, wasn't <laughs> playing that great. Okay. But he takes off Rice and he takes off Vieira as like a tactical change of putting on Jorginho and Havertz. Okay. The Havertz one makes no sense to me. Like, just put on Jorginho in replace of Rice and then have Vieira. And it's a lot more, uh, you know, like, Jorginho's really good at holding mid, like, not tackling, but making sure ball possession is, is retained. And anyway, I mean, he's good at tackling, but he's not that run back and defend type of thing. He's just kind of hold the line. Anyways, you did not need to bring up Vieira. It felt like, oh, I just got to give this guy an opportunity. When's he going to fire you know, it's like beating your head against a fucking wall and you're expecting a different Sorry result. about that, kids. Yeah. It's just, it's just so annoying that I'm starting to get pissed off because Havertz, it just seems like Arteta's like, I need to put him in for some reason. When Smith fucking Rowe was on the bench and it would have been way better. It would have been frick. He, he turned on Jorginho, put on Jorginho and Havertz and all of a sudden Odegaard had zero impact in the game. Zero. Nada. And then you put on Smith Rowe in the, like the 87th minute and all of a sudden Arsenal were taking it to Tottenham. In the last five, ten minutes of the game, Arsenal had a few chances. Okay? So why not put, like, if Vieira's not firing, right, and you can't put Havertz, Smith Rowe was one of the best players seasons ago. Two years ago. Yeah, seasons ago. Okay. And he's coming back from injury. And him on the ball to retain your possession-based style of football, he's your man at that left spot. It should be Emile Smith-Rowe, Declan Rice, Odegaard. 
That would be nuts. Okay? I don't, and, and honestly, put Partey in there. Move him around. Put Rice where, where Smith Rowe should be. Oh, it just freaking kills me. Because he's such a good player on the ball and dribbling it around, which is what Odegaard does on one side of the pitch. Have Emil Smith Rowe do the other one. Like a freaking trunk. Oh, it's just, oh my God. And here's the other thing. You put Inkekia as the left wing. He can barely play his best position striker. And Inkekia got 90 minutes. Gabriel Jesus, that was cooking that team. And he missed us. I'll get there in a second. But you took off Jesus and you let Inkekia, like Arteta, needs to stop giving stupid people chances forever. It seems like Nketiah's got some naked picture of Arteta because the guy needs to sit. He's not the one. Havertz needs to sit. So you put in Gabriel Jesus for 90 minutes and you put Smith Rowe on when you're taking Vieira off because Vieira was playing well. That's what you do. Okay? I don't know why Smith Rowe, because you stop people from buying him. So what, you want, him, you want him for the last three minutes of the game? It's ridiculous. The other thing, and oh, you better get Tony in January. I don't give a shit. This team needs a center forward. Gabriel Jesus is finishing. Is about as good as freaking men who had a vasectomy. Okay? None. Because this guy had an open chance. The pressing from Arsenal, magnifique the whole game. Jesus, what's the point in pressing if, if you're one on all with a keeper and you can't you can't put it on target? Ridiculous. Okay? Stupid, 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 stupid. And you have Arteta's built up a reputation of if some if you if somebody's not playing immaculate in a position, he takes them off. Look what happened to Ramsdale. Ramsdale was letting the odd goal in a game, problematic. His uh, passing percentage wasn't wasn't as good as Arteta wanted to be. He brings in another guy. Trossard and Martinelli, they're fighting for position. You know, where's the competition that a Smith Rose allowed to come in to play for a spot? He doesn't get enough minutes at all. It, oh, anyways. You like Smith Rowe, though. I do. But in the five minutes that he played that game, you could see the difference. Such a small sample size. I don't. Yeah, in the game before that, Brian, he got he got thirty minutes and he played really well. Okay, the guy needs a run, like a couple more, like maybe play him in the cup, start him the whole game in a cup, okay, and then see what he does. But Arteta, Arteta needs Tony. I don't. It they. I don't. It's not about what the other teams are doing, but we don't have somebody that finishes. Okay, Martinelli can get a good goal. Saka can get a good goal. Where's the goals down the middle? Okay, I'm tired of Gabriel Jesus being best best presser, but then he, he finishes like he's never played striker before in his life. Tony needs to be in there. It'd be a perfect, perfect thing. He wants to go to Arsenal too. It'd be a perfect replacement. In Katia, it needs to go. He's not the player. He's not diverse enough. All he does is poach. Okay? Now on to the YouTube fan show. Okay? YouTube fan... We're going to have an episode about this, but YouTube fans are some of the worst. They're so knowledgeable, but also so biased, and it's ridiculous. I'm In biased. what ways are they knowledgeable? Their knowledge of how many times their team won, 
which games were played where all of the fan stuff where it's they know what happened back in you know 20 2001 when they played at Goodison Park and this happened like the memories that way not 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 soccer analytics not that type of stuff like not punditry but fan memories but we have we have the fans the fan channel uh Bant Sports use its expressions and uh Rance and Bance, they're two brothers. Anyways, what expressions Tottenham fan, Rance is a uh, United fan. And in that in their podcast, which is a great podcast, um, you know, they're thinking that that penalty was was a ridiculous call. It was the most textbook penalty I've ever seen in my life. Okay? Romero's hands unnatural position. Okay. And the ball, I don't think, was, was that close, okay? But when you're defending, every other defender puts their hands down, okay? What they're arguing, if they think that's not a penalty, is that you could put your hands anywhere you want as long as the person's close and you can fake the unintentional uh, intentional save. I know Romero did it unintentionally, but anyways, you have to keep your... It's just bad defending posture of what he did, and he got punished for it. But they think they think that Tottenham absolutely carried the whole game. They had more possession. They had more possession in their second half, in their defensive half, passing it back and forth. Okay, it's it wasn't great possession. They didn't. Out, I didn't think our te- or, uh, Arsenal outplayed them, but I just think it was a great game. But you have the biasness saying the penalty wasn't good. Them saying that Sack is not a good player. Um. Oh, it just freaking frustrates me. Like, Spurs' goals, their one goal was a defensive error by Arsenal and they couldn't clear it, and it was a great play for Madison. So you have Arsenal falling apart and Spurs taking advantage and doing a great job. Great goal, okay? That's what you have to have or whatever. It's a great... There's nothing against that goal. But then the second goal where Arsenal turns, uh, turns off like the, these YouTube fans act like their team orchestrated that. Like it was like the, it was a really good press. Oh my god, Jorginho fumbling with his legs, double agent. But it, it's just like how delusional. Like I don't know if it's more entertaining for fans when you're super biased and you're just like rah rah rah. But it, it just to me it's so like if anybody you don't know football if you think that wasn't a penalty and you don't know football is if you thought that was a one-sided game for Tottenham, and you don't know football if you think it, it wasn't a error by Jorginho and it was a forced error from Tottenham to Jorginho. It's ridiculous. Like, they're saying, oh, yeah, Arsenal didn't get an open-play goal. Yeah, we didn't get, we didn't get, like, it was a deflection off Romero. But I'll, I'll watch the play back. Saka's cross that ended up going in. Nobody was marking the two on the on the on the far post side, so maybe it wouldn't have been a goal if Romero didn't block it, but it could have been an easy header too. So we have no idea. You can't just get mad about that. I'm sorry, it's an own goal. But your little two on two on O captain, okay? Don't act like that's great football, okay? We're done with the days of parking the bus, counter attacking is great football, okay? Or great attack. You obviously have to put those away, and it was a good play from from Tottenham. But don't don't talk to me like they outplayed because they got a counter attacking goal. It's ridiculous. Um, but their first goal was really great. But 
I'm sick, and Arteta's pissing me off. Here's like I don't, I don't fall for it because you talked initially about how these guys know their football, they know their history, they understand, they're well versed in not in the that. analytics of football. No, like, it's just the, no, but the, I, 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 I find it hard to believe that you can be so blissfully ignorant to the point it looks like you never watched football a day in your life and about one part of the game and to know have this vast expansive knowledge about the other i think they do it for views because i don't think anyone can be that stupid in real life oh maybe like i know there's people that are like such good fans or such uh avid avid fans that they um they remember all of the moments that happen like they they are a fact sheet of knowledge on what was the starting 11 in the champions league whatever but i just think when it comes to like play they put the blinders on that like their team's tactics are terrible or like they like oh my god like it's it's fans like especially rants and bands that guy or bands and rants whatever it is but he 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 um rants that's what it is he uh like every game that united has it's it's either united outplayed them outplayed the other team and won or it's um the other team didn't play well or outplay United. United just shot themselves in the foot. It's like the most un... Oh, it's so biased. It's ridiculous. I can criticize Arsenal whenever. I'm a, I put the, um, the blinders on a little bit sometimes because I love that team, but not to the level of like ridiculousness. You put the opposite blinders on. It's hard for you to find anything positive to say about your team, even if there is something positive. That's yeah, true. But... I just, it just, I'm just so sick of it. Every like I, I watch that podcast because I love it, but it's just like I just knew it was going to be taught like Tottenham celebrating a draw, like they won, and yeah, I thought Arsenal was going to beat them, and it's a big deal because they haven't won at the Emirates since 2010. So it's like I get it's a big deal for them, but don't act like because you got a draw, it's an auto like you automatically played ridiculously well. Oh, it's just frustrating. On the whole, though, like not the, the, the slight devil's advocate that, like, you know, uh, Tottenham getting a result away from home against our It's a good result. Oh, no, it's a good result. But say it's a good result, not it's a master class by Ange that schooled Arteta. Because that's a different freaking ball game. You know what schooling somebody is? Is when Barcelona, Barcelona comes to play Inter and Inter wins 1-0 and have 20% possession. You know, a Mourinho masterclass. That's that's what that is. This was two uh, teams playing really well against each other. Not really well. I should say they played well against each other. And because of the passion, there's going to be errors. Not Like, it's not one or the other. Like, you Tottenham fans think, thinking the draw might be fair, but if you're going to say who deserved three points, it's Tottenham. And it's like, no. If anything, if you look at all the highlights or rewatch the game, Arsenal missed two chances that should have been goals. And not not because, you know, is the Gabby miss was ridiculous. But Arteta, I know I'm freaking talking a lot. Arteta needs to freaking quit. He does. Smith Rowe, I don't I'm not a big I'm not um as smart as Arteta is. I get it. But it does not take a rocket scientist to say that Inketia and Havertz, and even Vieira, I don't care, need to be behind Smith-Rowe. Okay? Smith-Rowe 
is a better player than all of those other players that played before him um, in that game the other day. And I, and Arteta's whole game plan, like he his substitutions stifled Odegaard. And if Odegaard's not orchestrating sometimes, sometimes you see no potency in the attack. And it, oh my God. Here's, here's, I, want, I want to ask you this question. I think it's interesting. Is this the type of game where you desperately miss Granit Xhaka? No. No, I don't. And I'll tell you why. Because I don't, I don't know what part of the game where Xhaka would have impacted. Um, but it's not, because like, we've talked, I don't know if we talked in the podcast, but we've discussed at length about yeah. that Xhaka's influence on the team is can make oh, other I, people I play better. That. I mean more in that sense. Oh, I don't okay. think from a play yeah. style perspective, he, he would have added anything that might have made the difference, but just the mentality oh, and yeah. the presence. Oh yeah, maybe. I think Ramsdale would have made a difference too in that passionate game. But the other thing about it, and this is my last little point, is I think Smith Rowe would have, like Smith Rowe bleeds Arsenal and he his passion for this team is almost unmatched on the team and it's just one of those things that like if you replace Jack and Rice I think you would have got the same because Rice had to come off I think it would have been a better half if, if there was no substitutions except maybe Vieira for Smith Rowe but I just Arteta wants this free-flowing where Vieira like Vieira and Smith Rowe are similar players like Arteta wants to play that inverted triangle where where you have Rice at the base, and you have Odegaard and Vieira almost at the top, and they kind of move around a little bit, and there's interplay. Smithrow is a center mid, left mid type of player. He could slot right in there, and he's probably one of the best players on that team on the ball. Okay? I don't... Arteta's trying to make certain things work that are not working, that he's, like, dreamt up of. The Havert substitution made no sense. None whatsoever. And that guy pisses me off, offers nothing. <laughs> oh. Wanna move on? Well, it's just it's so <laughs> I think annoying. we have to move yeah, on. Yeah, it's just oh. Like if he does this bullshit against City, it's done. But anyways, we'll move on. Well, I I I, I struggle to think anyone's gonna catch City because normally City just gets stronger and they they took the maximum, so I think it's an uphill battle for Oh, it is Anybody. an battle, but I think Arsenal plays them at the Emirates in a couple of weeks or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if, the, if if Arsenal manage to win, which they probably won't, it's all of a sudden a different conversation. But anyways. Manchester United, first away win of the year. This is a pretty boring game, like in, in a way that's somewhat positive for United. I don't think there's really any controversial decisions. I think it was... Burnley created chances, United created chances, though just the one difference was that piece of class from, from Bruno Fernandes. United, I think, more or less got the job done. I think they deserved it. It's one of those performances that kind of halts the downward slide that they've been on, but I don't think it's a, a shoot back up. Yeah, I think this game epitomized where United are at right now um, in the way that uh, United don't necessarily have an identity yet like they're behind in their rebuild um like you can't see what they're trying to do necessarily but i think that you like you said the class part you can see that there is class in united like there are players that have a lot of class in them so it's just really it's encouraging in the way like it doesn't halts the downhill but it doesn't really amplify it but it does give you a little bit of if i was a united fan it's a little bit like 
we do have the talent in the team. It's just about galvanizing this team and getting them to play a certain way, which is harder or is easier said than done. So a little bit of a positive, but not much. And it's Burnley's been actually quite disappointing. I think yeah. Burnley was the one team that we, I think when we did our predictions, we both expected to be, I think one of the only teams that stayed up and stayed up comfortably. I think we both had them kind of like 13th or yeah. something like that. So, so pretty good. They look good in the championship, but maybe, maybe that style of football is, you can't really go on the front foot the way they did in the championship in the premier league and, and get the same results. So maybe they're kind of seeing how they need to adapt their play style. Maybe bring Sean Dyche back. Into... Yeah. Everton won actually, didn't they? Yeah, Brentford. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I don't have much more to say on United. Johnny Evans, kind of a feel good story there. He was with the club when he was a young player, won a title with them, won a few trophies kind of when Sir Alex is still around and then kind of became, you know, moved on to Leicester and I don't know if he had other clubs in between and then comes back and kind of as a, as a player, but I think there's more of a coaching, like a, like almost like a player coach sort of situation gets the start because of injuries looked okay. No, I, so I feel good story for him. Good for him. Yeah. I don't have much to say on that game. It's just getting extra time. We're stoppage. Yes. So, as we talked about, Spurs looking a little brighter this year. The question is, will Daniel Levy regret selling Harry Kane when he kind of sees that the progression that Tottenham are and thinking, if I just had Harry Kane instead of Richarlison, we might like for sure probably can get top four and, and maybe one one hundred percent, maybe even the next year after that 100%. challenge. Hundred percent. He's an idiot, Daniel Levy, like an idiot. Because it just shows you, like, what if Ange um, had Harry Kane? You well, know? I'm just thinking. Like, why do you get three coaches that are defensively minded, that don't want to play football at all, and you, you after one fails, you get another one, and after the other one fails, you get another one that are basically the same play style, all three of them, and then you get the one that's an attacking-minded one, and you go, oh, my God, I never knew that we could play like this. He's an idiot. Well, I he think, you know, I, I think he's an idiot now. I don't think, because I think bringing in, like, because there was such a, with Poch originally, like, the kind of, like, it was a shift in mentality. And up until that point when they appointed Mourinho, he had, no matter how it ended, because then the Chelsea had oh, ended yeah. poorly. Like, United, Mourinho had always won a trophy, I think, at any club he'd been at. Oh, no, so no. I get the first time, but I don't yeah. get the Conte, and I don't get the Nuno. Yeah, no, I, I get the Mourinho one. It's just when one fails, why do it again two more times with different players? It's, it's stupid. But and it would have never got to the point where he had to sell Kane if he just went went after Nunes or whatever. He went with an attacking-minded one. So, but that, that's interesting. Kulisevsky, Madison, son, Kane could be one of the, oh, outside good. of Manchester City, probably the best attacking team in the league. And I told you about Madison. I, I hate that he's on Tottenham because I freaking like this guy. He, oh, he's a good player. But anyways, um, how much time for, you know, we mentioned him before, but how much time for Pochettino? The only the only team that Chelsea can beat is Luton. Yeah. What have we got? Four points or five points, four points and five, five and six, something like that. It, it's pretty it's pretty awful. I'm just losing at home to Aston Villa. 
Let Probably would have been a draw, the red card. If Chelsea did create a little bit. But you have, just in the sense that he's a new manager, I think you give him a, a little bit of time because, you know, like that or not Daniel Levy, another idiot, uh, Todd Bowley. Yeah. Let me give you let me give you a stat, two stats. One, Newcastle has scored more goals in one game uh, than, than Chelsea have this year. Um, Leicester City has scored more Premier League goals this calendar year than Chelsea have. And Leicester in the championship. And here's another stat. Romo, Romeo Lukaku has scored more goals um, in September than Chelsea have. Someone made that. I think so. I, I didn't it's watch pathetic. this. But I think on ESPN FC they were talking about someone asked the question in the extra time saying, it, is Erling Haaland alone going to score more goals than Chelsea? Oh. Like, and, I, like it, and it's kind of something, okay, oh, that's funny. It's probably not going to happen. But then you think, Holy shit, could that happen? Yeah. But I think he's got a little bit of time just from the new manager. Yeah, if bounce. it keeps up, he's done by Christmas. Okay, quick predictions. Manchester United, Crystal Palace. I think uh, United are going to win this game. I think so, too. It, it's like, it just seems like it's a comfortable game at home to Palace. Yeah. Bournemouth, Arsenal. Arsenal are going to kill them. Bournemouth look awful. They're going to kill them. And it's going to be one of those. It's it's a bad time for Bournemouth because they're playing terrible, and Arsenal are going to be upset. I so. could, yeah, I could, just kind of slightly off topic. I could see this relegation race be over early with Sheffield, Luton, and Bournemouth yeah, relegated by April or March. Some people are even thinking there might be relegation by uh, Christmas. Well, I don't think that's possible. By, but one, by Luton, maybe. We'll see. Tune in next time.